Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the Word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. All right, so we're starting a new series today. I'm really excited about this um, series, and y'all ain't ready for the title. Uh, We're talking about the desperate housewives of the OT. (laughs) We're looking at women in the Old Testament. We often learn from men, right? Um, But it's May, and we're going to celebrate moms next week. And so I wanted to look at some of the women in the Bible, and we're going to look at some of their bad examples kind of like the men too that we learn about often. And we're going to look at some good examples of women that were housewives and um, they had a journey through some challenging things like all of us. Somebody said this morning when they asked me what I was on and what new series we were starting, I said the name and this, this guy said, I'm not a housewife, so that's not going to apply to me. I said, well, it's going to apply to you and prove that you said that is that the message is going to apply to you because... We're going to talk about our emotional health in this series. God doesn't want to just save us spiritually. Come on. He wants to work in us and our soul and even our body as well. Come on, somebody. Jesus came to save the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And in our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And let me just tell you, we're not saved in our soul many times. <laughs> A lot of us are healthy even spiritually in some ways, I guess. Uh, Sometimes if you think you're healthy spiritually, but you're not healthy emotionally, you're really not healthy, but uh, because they do connect to each other. But a lot of times we don't think about this aspect of our walk with God, that he wants to actually work on our emotions. And so we're going to look at women in the Old Testament and learn from their example. And we're going to see how God wants to touch us right where we are in our emotional well-being. So we're going to look at the first two ladies named Sarah and Hagar. All right. This message is going to be full of some drama. Uh, Sarah and Hagar are wives of the patriarch of our faith named Abraham, and they are going through some drama. If I asked you guys to lift up your hands um, and I said, who in here loves drama? I guarantee some people are already lifting their hands. I didn't even ask you to, and y'all are you know, shouting me down. So I know this series is going to minister to you, okay? We're going to get into some drama in the Bible. If you didn't think it was there, you've never read it. Because there is plenty of examples in the Bible full of drama. Um, If we made a whole movie series just based on um, the stuff we find in the Bible, it would be the most entertaining thing on the planet. I'm just telling you. And you see that in this story between Sarah and Hagar. Let me set the story. So Sarah is the patriarch's wife, and Hagar is um, her servant. And Sarah can't get pregnant But Hagar can. So Sarah tries to use Hagar to help her in this idea of if she actually has a baby for me and carries a baby for me, you know, then I'm going to be able to have a baby and advance my family. Well, then Hagar sees this as an opportunity to advance her place in society. And this is where the drama ensues. So we're going to look at Genesis 16. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Ton of scripture here. But this is the whole story. I wanted to read it all. And then we're going to jump down to verse 13 as well. Let's read. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife. And notice it says Sarai. Later on, she and Abram get a name change. Let me just say this. When you develop emotionally, you're going to be viewed in a different light. When you mature and grow in the things of God to where it impacts your soul, people are going to see you as a different person. Your identity, even amongst others and in your relationships, will now take on new light. And so they weren't there yet. They're still Sarai and Abram, but God eventually changes their name to Sarah and Abraham. So I want you to know that because I'll be referring to them as both. Just know when I say Sarah, I'm talking about this woman. So now Sarai was Abram's wife. And she had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar, this other lady. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant, she says. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Of course he did. (laughs) Not a real hard proposal for him on that one. All right. Verse three. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram 
as a wife. This happened, and this is important, 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. (laughs) Of course it is, right? I put my servant into your arms, she said. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, Sarah saying to her husband, Abram, you or me. Abram replied, like many husbands do in situations like this, look, uh, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. So again, this is drama happening. Verse seven, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. She ran away beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you're now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You're to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Thereafter, in verse 13, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. I can't preach that yet, but this is so good. You are the God who sees me. She, she also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? All right, from this portion of scripture, we're gonna learn some things about emotionally unhealthy people. It's three things emotionally unhealthy people do. We're gonna talk about this, and we're gonna find ourselves maybe as one of these three things, or maybe a combination of all three. And then we're gonna ask God to do what God does, which is to heal our broken hearts, to help us get restored so our relationships are gonna be better in our life. If you're ready for that, let's get in, all right? Three things emotionally unhealthy people do. Number one, they use people to get what they want. We're going to now have flashes of people in our mind. (laughs) Right now, we're about to look at our own self and see ourself in situations. And Holy Spirit, will you help us and convict our hearts to see where we need repentance and transformation? Unhealthy people use people to get what they want. We have to understand where Sarah's first is in this situation. Sarah and Abram, or Sarai and Abram at this point, have been waiting 10 years for a promise from God. God had told them, and that's why it says they moved to Canaan over 10 years ago, and God spoke to them, to both Sarah and Abraham, and he said to them, you and through your seed, the whole world is going to be blessed. All right, at this point, they're like 70 and 80 years old, and this is a wild thing that God spoke to them, and already in her life, Sarah's womb was barren. So she gets this hope from God that God's going to actually bring this promised child into her womb where her womb had been closed and she gets excited that she's about to have a baby. But like all of us in our relationship with God, we think when God speaks that immediately that promise is going to come to pass. And then all of a sudden a week turns into a month. God, where are you? And then that month turns into a year. And that year turns into five years. And then that five years turns into 10 years. And you're like, God, where are you? Why did you speak this to me? And still nothing's happening. My wife and I, we really relate to Sarah and Abraham for many different reasons in their walk. And again, these guys are the patriarch of our faith. These are the very beginning. Father Abraham had many sons, right? And we recognize that our Christianity is traced back to this patriarch, the Jewish people, and then, of course, Christ through the Jewish people. And so we relate to him in that way, just in our own faith, but even just in our own journey, Nicole and I, she had nine years ago a hysterectomy. And we felt like the Lord spoke to us very clearly that we would be parents of many nations, One year turned into multiple years. 
We had babies, a specific baby in our arms for an entire year that we had to then give back to the birth parents. And it was a very emotionally kind of challenging time. Uh, We have been praying to the point where I don't know if I can pray another prayer over this situation. Asking God, what does this look like and what are you doing? And we've gotten, we've raised money and we've gotten licensed through different organizations and those doors open and those doors close. We were linked up with two separate uh, birth moms that said they wanted to give us their baby and then that door ended up closing. And so it has been an emotional roller coaster where you're wondering, God, like why and when and how and all of this type of thing. And it's very easy in those moments to move into emotional unhealth. It's not wrong for any of us to experience disappointment or grief. We're all going to experience that in this life. But what you do with that matters. How you handle your disappointment matters. Are you going to take matters into your own hands Or are you going to trust God and are you going to allow him to work in you during that season to bring about health and life? That happens through one way when you put your faith in him and your trust in him and you don't take matters into your own hands and do your own thing. Come on, somebody. Sarah decides to get ahead of God. And instead of waiting on that promise and Abram too. okay? so Abram, I said this to the first service. He wasn't completely innocent. Right. Because he knew the promise, too. And sometimes when you've been waiting on the promise, again, you're trying to put God in the box of your own understanding. (laughs) And so I'm going to try to make this happen, not through the miracle that God said, but through my own means and my own my own ways. Listen, if we get a baby, I'm going to know at this point it was only by the grace of God that we got it because I tried everything else (laughs) and it had to be him. And sometimes God will bring us to the end of our rope again, like we talked about last week. So he gets the glory in the breakthrough. So you can't take credit for it on your own. This is what we've been talking about in salvation, right? In the last series, we talked about how salvation is by God's grace. It's by his glory and for his glory alone that we're saved. And this is what Paul actually refers to Abraham and Sarah in the New Testament. I mean, and and specifically Sarah and Hagar. He uses this as an example between the law and our flesh and faith and the spirit. And he says that the two covenants, the old covenant and, and the new covenant specifically can be compared to Hagar and Sarah. Are we going to try to get right with God in our own strength, by our own power, in our own abilities, in our own goodness? That's the way of Hagar. That's the way of, of Ishmael, if you will, because it came out of them trying to figure it out on their own. Or are we going to trust God that by grace, through faith, we're saved, right? And so he compares it to this. But let me tell you, the implications of this goes into our life in so many ways, not just for our salvation, but are you going to trust God through the processes of life? <laughs> are, are you going to trust God in the emotionally hard times where you can't seem to figure him out? Are you going to lean on your own understanding and, and try to get ahead of him and start, again, trying to force things to happen? Emotionally unhealthy people will do that and they'll use others to try to get their way. Think about how Sarah does this to Hagar before Sarah comes up with this idea, (laughs) this idea that really is not a good idea. Her and Hagar are cool. No drama. It says in Genesis 16, too, though. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me to have children. Go and sleep with my servant. Like that was a good idea. Like it's going to work out. Like me and Hagar sold me cool through all this. (laughs) Like, no. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her and Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. This was actually a a legal and a common situation in the Old Testament, Uh, not even just in the Old Testament, but in that culture of the time. And so it wasn't even that it was wrong, culturally speaking, but what was wrong about it is they again moved away from God's promise and faith in his promise, and they begin to rely on their own strength, the strength of their flesh, the strength of their own wisdom, the strength of their own understanding. And then in that, she sees a woman And she sees her as a means to just get what I want. 
This is what emotionally unhealthy people do. And we gotta process through these things when we're in moments like this where we don't have what we want. Are we gonna just use others to get what we want? Or are we gonna trust God and leave it to God and say, God, I wanna follow you because anything that is not of faith is a sin. Now, Hagar actually begins to do this too. She begins to use this baby now that she's pregnant with, this unborn baby as leverage in order to actually get further ahead in her own life. In Genesis 16, 4, it says Abram had sexual relationships or relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, notice this, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. That word contempt, it's translated from a Hebrew word that means of little value or of little importance. So Sarai is actually the mistress, the leader, the the master of Hagar. She's actually a bondservant. She actually was sold into slavery, not like we know it in the West through chattel slavery, but she was sold into slavery because she owed some debt. And she was an Egyptian. And so it, it, most scholars believe that when Abram and Sarah were in Egypt, then this transaction happened based on this woman owing debt. So she's going to come and help Sarah out with different things. And so she's there and she's at the lowest part of society. So Sarah on one end is feeling lack because she wants a baby and she can't have one. But I want you to think about Hagar. Hagar's feeling lack because she's the lowest part of society. She's looked down upon because she's this servant in this house. She doesn't have any means, all of this type of thing. And so when she gets this baby, now she uses this as leverage. She uses this now as a means to try to get ahead. And so now, instead of respecting and honoring Sarah, she begins to look at her as lesser than. So now she's using the baby in the scenario as leveraged again to get ahead in life because emotionally unhealthy people will use other people just to get what they want. Now we got to ask this question. Are we going to do this? Are we going to play these games in the situations of our lives? Or are we going to begin to trust God that his ways are higher than our ways, that his ways are greater than our ways, that his ways are the way, the truth, come on, and the life. How's it been working out for you in your way? Come on. How's it been working out for us? How did it work out for Sarah and Hagar in this scenario? I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I'm going to do my own thing. It's not good. Everything that pops off crazy happens after this. So are we going to play these games? Or are we going to just trust the Lord? Uh, I was thinking about this. Maybe just following our dreams and our own desires. Maybe that's not really what it's all about in life. <laughs> we're told as we're a kid, the, the smallest kid, I remember hearing, go and chase your dreams. We make just selfish hellions that way. How about submit to God and follow his plan for your life? Oh, you ain't with me today. Listen, that's a lot different. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. How about that type of thing? How about don't follow your own will and your own plan, but you submit yourself to the creator of the universe and look to him for your life's plan and your life's direction. Maybe just following our heart and following our dreams isn't what life is about. Maybe it's what Jesus said. Love God and love other people. And you'll do that when you find yourself in him and find emotional health, which is found connected to him and to his promises and following that and letting him work out all these things in our lives. What does it profit us if we gain all that we want, but we leave a trail of broken lives along the way? Sarah thought she was going to get what she wanted through this means of her own flesh and understanding, and then the brokenness came, and and worse brokenness, because now she doesn't have the promised child. She just has another child that another woman is using against her, and it gets more complicated. You're going to be challenged with this in so many different areas of your life. And for you, it might not be 
through a child that you're just like really wanting this in your life. And so you're using this in the ways that they do to get what you want, using people to get what you want. But there will be an area of your life where you're going to be challenged in this. Am I going to use others to get what I want? Am I going to just try to advance my position and all this? Or am I going to just choose to trust God? And if that means I lose... It's better to be emotionally healthy and lack than it is to be prosperous and be dysfunctional. But that's not the way we look. We think that having whatever that thing is, is where I'm going to find happiness. So we actually will rather be prosperous and gain whatever the world has to offer and still be dysfunctional in our life instead of just being emotionally healthy and maybe lacking that thing for a season. We've had to come to that in our adoption journey multiple times, and we're still in the middle of it, still trying to come to it today because it's still not over. We've battled this. We've been connected with birth moms. I've shared the story, and I don't have time to go into it today, but we've shared the story of when we had these options and opportunities presented, but it came with strings attached for us to compromise and do negative things. No, I'd rather be emotionally healthy and lack than to be prosperous and compromise, and be dysfunctional, right? You're going to have to hold on to that and allow God to work in you in that season instead of you trying to use others to get what you want. All right, let's, let me move on. So we're talking about three things emotionally unhealthy people do. They use other people to get what they want, and here's number two. They project their frustration onto others. Yeah, yeah, that, you guys felt that one. Yeah, you've been there. They project their frustration onto others. I laugh when I read this every time. Genesis 16, 5. <laughs> this is Sarah, who's completely frustrated. Why? Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. Husbands, do not elbow your wife in the room right now. If you relate to this, this is between you and God right now, and it's between her and God. But many times in our relationship, we are projecting our frustration. Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. No, it wasn't. (laughs) All right, he did say yes when he probably should have said no. Let's hold out for God's promise. Amen. All right. But, but this was Sarah's idea. And because it didn't work out the way Sarah wanted, now she's looking at her boo and saying, this is all your fault. Come on, this happens all the time in marriage. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And she's putting the Lord in it. Like, he's on my side. You ever been in an argument like that with your spouse? Like, God knows in this situation that I'm right, and you're wrong. Like, this is where she's at. She's mad at life. And therefore, because she's mad at life, she's mad at her husband. Hey, we could preach this the other way because men do it too. They're mad at work. And so when they come home, they're mad at their wife and they're mad at their kids. They're projecting their frustration on everybody else because they're not content inside. This is what emotionally unhealthy people do. And we do it many times because we're not finding our contentment in God. And because of that, we're frustrated. And maybe we're not doing certain disciplines in our life to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. So we're discontent, and now we're projecting that on everybody else. Listen to me. Life will throw you curveballs. Life will smack you in the face. Sometimes you're going to even add to that through your own mistakes. That's not on other people, though. That's not on other people. All right? Your own happiness And your own contentment is not on somebody else. They might hurt you and they might even make a mistake towards you. But your own happiness, your own contentment is found in one source. It is the source of life. You were made by him and you were made for him. And godliness, the Bible says, with contentment is great gain. Developing a devoted relationship with God is the only place any of us will find satisfaction in life. I can can assure you of that. And many times when we're not satisfied, what we're doing is we're going to project that on other people. And they're going to get the brunt 
of our own dysfunction and our own frustration. Let me say this. I want to say this, and I want it to be very clear. Nicole and I do a lot of counseling. And what I have found, many times, of course, we need wisdom and counseling. So we need to learn how to communicate better. We need to learn about how to get our finances on the same page. We need to learn a lot of those things, and that's fine. But where I see the most issues when it comes to marriage relationships is right here. Listen to this. Relational health, most of the time, boils down to individual health. When the two individuals of a relationship are healthy, the relationship most of the time is healthy. Now, again, there's a lot of wisdom we need to get better in relationships. But what I want you to know is that when you're healthy emotionally, you'll be the best thing for your spouse or your friend or your kids. Put it on any relationship. But when you are emotionally unstable, when you are emotionally unhealthy, you're going to actually view everything through your own pain and the lens of your own views and that's going to come across to others, and they're going to get the blame for something that's between you and God. Can I tell you, Nicole and I just went through this three weeks ago. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who was the one who was saying, you're the one to blame. It's all your fault. But a lot of times we just got to go and do a self-inventory in those moments. I hope this is provoking you to say, okay, instead of blaming them and thinking they're the issue in this, maybe I just need to go and do an inventory. How's my relationship with God? Am I devoted to, am I connected to him? Am I finding that peace that only he can bring? Can I tell you, I've chased every, I've seen it all. And there's been times in my life where I had a lot and I was discontent. I had the promises, I had the, the pleasure, I had the whatever, the money, whatever, the nice place to stay, and I, was, and I was discontent. And then there's been times in my life where I've had nothing, and I was so happy. Why? It was what Paul said, I've learned the secret to be content in all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's Christ that is our contentment. He's the answer. And so you need to do a spiritual inventory. If your frustration is being projected on other people, you need to do a spiritual inventory and check, man, where's your connection with God? Maybe it's a sin in your life. And so you have this shame and your conscience is guilty before the Lord. And so you don't feel like you're connecting with him. Whatever that is, I promise you that will deal with some of your own view of, of health in yourself. Another thing is, it might be some emotional wounds that you really need to do some work on, and you do this maybe through some counseling or therapy. Uh, you are an emotional being, and sometimes when your emotions have been ruined by the things of life, the grief of life, the pain of life, the broken relationships through life, the only thing that's really going to help with that is really doing a deep dive in this. And guess what? One of the things I've learned as a married man for 13 years is I'm not my wife's healer. I thought I was. I thought, man, I can preach good and I can give an altar call. And if I would just do that to my wife, she's going to get it and she's going to come to the Lord in this situation and he's going to heal her. How about me as a husband just seeing my wife, hearing my wife? Loving her unconditionally. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. And not trying to fix her. But just be. And allow her to be. And allow her to process. And allow me just to be a listening ear. And then point her to other people that might help. Because sometimes it ain't the husband that's going to be able to fix the situation. Because there's that pain involved there. And, and then it's, it's just not the role of a husband or not the role of a wife to fix your, your spouse. That's why there's other doctors out there. That's why there's God, right? So point them to them and let God do that work. But even it could be a physical issue. A lot of people are just unhappy with themselves physically. Again, we're a three-part being. And so again, their own insecurity now is being projected on their mate or their friends or Come on, am I preaching today? Yes. <laughs> and so we got to look at these things and do that inventory and get healthy. Because when you are healthy individually, 
You're going to be better for your friends and your partner in life, and you're going to have a better relational health as well. All right, and so we got to think through those things. So unhealthy people, they use people to get what they want. They project their frustration onto others. And here's the last one. They push away and or run away. They push away relationships or run away from relationships. This is what emotionally unhealthy people do. You see this in Genesis 16, 6. Abram replied, look, she's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Why isn't Sarah having a conversation with Hagar? Like in trying to get to the nitty gritty of what's happening in this situation. Sharing with her, I really feel like you are not valuing me. I feel like I've actually brought you into my family and, you know, we've taken care of you and I gave you this opportunity and you knew what it was when you signed up for this opportunity. But now you're just doing your own thing and now you're making me feel devalued. Why isn't Sarah having this conversation? Instead, Sarah now is dealing with her harsh. Just putting this all on her and I don't know what she's doing. Cracking the whip some way, shape or form. And now she's pushing her away instead of trying to deal with it. And why isn't Hagar saying, Sarah, like, this is also my baby. And I got some emotions in this, too. And I've been a slave. And I feel like I'm the lowest of society. And this is the reason why I've been looking at this situation this way. And can... But they're not having that type of conversation. Sarah is just taking this and, and becoming harsh with her and pushing her away. And I want you to understand this. You will never grow running away from conflict in your life. Sometimes conflict is actually a good thing in your life because it'll help you become a better person. Can I tell you everything in your life, everything, your job, your relationship with your spouse, your parents, your kids, all of it will have conflict. And if you're trash at handling conflict, your relationships are going to be trash too. Like if you're running away from it all the time or pushing away people all the time because you don't want to handle that, you're not going to ever grow into be a mature, healthy, emotionally healthy individual. So avoidance or aggression is not the way. Actually going and processing this with somebody and the Lord gives us a great example of on how to do this in Matthew 18. We do it by going to that individual or bringing a peacemaker after we've approached them one time and then bringing it maybe to the church leadership to bring about that life and peace and reconciliation or whatever. I don't have time to get into all of that, but I just want you to know you're never going to grow avoiding conflict or being too aggressive, pushing away somebody in conflict. And this is why the angel says what the angel says to Hagar when Hagar is running away. Because this is on both of them. Genesis 16, 9. The angel of the Lord said to her, Hagar, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. What? Like she's taking advantage of me and my womb and this baby I'm carrying and you're telling me to go back? Why? Because God doesn't want the easy road. He wants the best road for you. He knew in this scenario what would be best for Hagar long term is to deal with this conflict with Sarah in the short term. All right. Same thing with Sarah. What's going to be best for her is learning the fruit of her own fleshly ways. And see, this is how we do it. Sometimes we make the mess and we expect somebody else to clean it up. I'm Sarah in this scenario. I've got all of us into this mess. And now I'm pushing her away because I don't want to deal with it. Oh, we get really mad at our kids when they make all that mess, but they don't pick it up after themselves. You know what I'm saying? We're doing the same thing in their lives. We're leaving trash in their life. And now we're expecting a counselor or a pastor or some other friend to pick up the broken pieces that I left in that relationship. God says, no, I want you all to figure some things out. Because this is how God works. He wants us to be better long term. And you're never going to be better. See, a lot, of, a lot of people will think, man, I never fight with my spouse. Yeah, y'all never talk about anything either. You're living a false peace. 
Your house is full of false peace because whenever conflict arises, nobody ever says anything. That ain't the way either. Avoidance nor aggression is the way. Running away from scenarios or pushing others away in scenarios will never be the way you grow emotionally in your life. So the angel says, go back to Sarah. Maybe you need to ask the Lord, who is he calling you to go back to today? Having a conversation with somebody that you know you should be having a conversation with. I'm not saying you got to be best friends with everybody. Sarah and, and, and Hagar eventually do part ways after Isaac is born, the promised child from God. They do actually part ways, but it was about it was years. I think 14, maybe even 20 years, something like that, that they're together still after the scenario. She goes back and they had to work on some things. Sarah was going to be better with Isaac because she dealt with that situation. Hagar was going to be better for Ishmael later on because she dealt with this situation. But here's the beautiful thing, and I want to end the message with this thought. So yes, we're working on our relationship, but like I said last week, it is God who causes us both the will and to do of his good pleasure. So God's in the middle of all this. You see this in the scenario. Even in Sarah's mistake, we see the Redeemer, God, coming in to try to help bring health and life and redemption in the scenario, in the story. And so I want you to think about this. We're all a work in progress. Every one of us. This, is, this should be encouraging to your spouse right now. You didn't marry a perfect person. You're a work in progress. God's trying to work out these things in you. And this is the beauty. God will. He'll show up. You guys found yourself in a church service today where emotional health is the topic. Is that by accident? When your relationships have been wayward and jacked up and messed up, is that an accident you came along the road of Diversity Church and today God's speaking to you about this area of your life? No, it's not an accident because God wants to work in you. Health and life. And you see this in this broken road of Sarah and Hagar's relationship. Sarah pushes her away. She runs away, and God shows up along the way. I love that. And this is what God does. What every human being needs is to be loved and accepted. We need to be seen, and we need to be heard. And because Hagar's not getting that from Sarah or other people as a slave in her life, God shows up. And what God does is he wants to settle her. So all of her other relationships and what God is going to do in her life and through Ishmael later on and all that is settled in him. So again, these things can be healed and she can be a whole person. And so look what God does here in Genesis 16, 11 and 13. The angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You're to name him Ishmael. This comes from God, by the way. And look what it means. Look what Ishmael means. It means God hears. She is broken in a relationship, broken emotionally. She's running away. And God shows up and says, I hear you. Oh, this is going to be healing to somebody in this place today. People have abused you. They've hurt you. They've taken advantage of you. But I want you to know you can find healing because God hears you. He hears your frustration. He hears your pain. He sees it all. He sees Sarah's frustration. He sees Sarah's pain. He hears and sees it all. And so then out of this moment, this beautiful encounter with God, this is what verse 13 says. Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. This is the only time he's referred to this in the scripture, and it's from the slave woman. She said, you are the God who sees me. Have I truly seen the one who sees me? You are the God who sees me. So our emotional journey of health, it does have this beautiful God component. We need to be seen. We need to be heard. We need to be validated. Our pains and our fears and our frustrations and our griefs, they need to be validated. 
And we're many times looking for that validation in other people. But I want you to look first to the one who sees you and to the one who hears you in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your broken road. It's the one God who sees you. And if he saw her, she has no value and worth in most of society in their view. But with God, the God who sees us all and the God who loves us all, she is seen and heard, validated, accepted and loved. And how much more do we see that in the gospel in the New Testament? That God saw us in our broken state along our broken road because we made the mistakes and we sinned against God. And he says, I want them to know from the get, I love them and I will accept them. All they need to do is come to my son and to the plan of God that heals broken roads and restores broken lives. So if you're here today and you're broken emotionally, you can come to the healer. If you would take a moment and consider what the Holy Spirit is saying to you if you need to bow your heads and close your eyes to get alone with God please do that I want to tell you that God loves you and that love is demonstrated so clearly when he sent his son to pay for your sins at the cross once and for all the way we get saved is not through our own works trying to do what Sarah did when she brought in Hagar and then brought in Ishmael into the world. But we come to faith in the finished work of Christ at the cross. And we say, Jesus, come, save me, forgive me. I surrender my life, my hope, my future to you. If you've never done that, today's the day of salvation. It's the most important thing for you to do for the rest of your life. It's the first place of healing in your life. So if that's you, I want you to simply call on Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sin. I come to the cross and I repent. I put my faith in Christ that he died for me and rose again from the dead. And now I call him my Lord and Savior. you prayed that I want you to just continue to commune with God right now and allow him to speak to you and minister to you for the rest of us in here I want us to think about where we're at in this story along the broken road of our own emotional unhealth my using people to get what I want my projecting my frustration on others because I'm just not content at the end of this story am I actually just doing what Sarah And Hagar did, pushing others away, running away. I want you to come and just kneel before a holy God who wants to heal your heart. So if you need to do that by coming forward, I'm going to say a prayer. If you need to come to the altar, you need to stand up. You just need to get along with God. Whatever you got to do, but just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, heal me. Thank you for showing me today that you see me and hear me settle my heart. So, Father, I pray for every single one of us in here. Would you do that work? Do that holy work right now in us of settling our heart, healing our heart in Jesus' name. Come on, would you just respond to the Lord? might be, again, up here. might be just standing up and worshiping. You're just going to get along with God and allow him to do his work. As you guys are coming forward, others are coming forward, you might feel a hand on your back. One of my altar workers might just be praying for you. Come on, there might be others that need to respond. Come on, God is here. He's the healer. He wants to restore. Come on, what the enemy has stolen from you through bad idea and bad decision. Come on, somebody. God is a redeemer and he's a healer and he sees that. And right now he's going to restore and heal. Come on, somebody. He's going to heal the brokenhearted in this place. Heal him, Lord. Come on, just cry out to the Lord. He's your healer and he's right here and he sees you. He sees you. He hears you. This is our moment of breakthrough. This is our moment of response. And if you're in your seat and you don't feel like you're at that place of brokenness, pray for those who are right now. Begin to intercede for those who are just still journeying through some things. But chances are, 
There's some things right now you need to deal with too. And so would you just journey with the Lord in these moments of prayer and allow him just to touch your heart. God, I thank you for just convincing us that your ways are better. Your ways are better. Father, help us to stop just relying on our own understanding, our own strength, our own power. To just trust you more. To just trust you. Father, I pray those people, God, that we might need to just go and address. Some of us never want to go back and have a conversation with that person. I get it. I've been there too. I don't want to have that conversation. But Father, would you just give us the strength right now to do those hard things? I might actually have that tough conversation with somebody because it's best for me. It's best for my journey of health and growth. Jesus. Jesus, heal him. Heal him. Heal him. Heal him. I command the darkness and confusion to flee in Jesus' name. Those clouds of confusion, I command the sunlight of God to shine through them right now in Jesus' name, to break through the darkness, to break through the depression, to break through the anxiety, to break through the fears right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, you're the healer. You are the light. Whatever the enemy tries to do to, again, steal, kill, or destroy, you are the light of life. And so bring that light and shine it in these hearts right now. In Jesus' name. I did this first service. I feel led to do it again. If you're up front, keep praying and keep seeking God. But if you're in this place and you are newly married five years or less, or you're planning on getting married, you're engaged, or having those conversations, would you stand up right now? Stand up in your seat. Five years of less or less married? Yeah, all over this room. Listen, I'm going to pray for you. Some of my leaders might come by and lay hands on you. I'm going to pray for these marriages. Listen, the enemy is a liar, and he hates marriage, and he hates what marriage represents. It represents Christ and his church. And that love that God has for us, that's unconditional and holy. And so he plants ideas like he plants, planted in Sarah to have the Ishmaels. And it's in those first five years of marriage that many of these things come to pass. These are things that we struggle with so greatly. That I just want to pray for those couples in here that are new in this journey. Because God wants you guys to persevere. He wants you to be healthy. So your families and our communities are healthy. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for these couples. I'm going to first pray for those who are engaged and they're planning on getting married. Father, I pray that they would see clearly and hear clearly the word of the Lord when it comes to the person that they are committing their life to. If this is from you, bring it to pass, God. If it's not, Father God, we never want to get ahead of you and get beyond you. But Father, I pray that you would equip them and help them to take the biggest decision of their life, which is to commit the rest of their life to that person. Give them grace, give them wisdom to be able to do it. I pray for those who are married, Lord God, in this place, newly married, would you just help them, Father, and their struggles and their challenges and their fears and their anxieties, Lord God, and their own discontentment. I pray for each individual to be healthy so that their relationship would be healthy. I pray you continue to give them wisdom as well to be able to be the spouse that you're calling them to be. I pray for each of them to have grace for their partner. I'm praying this right now. We're going to make mistakes. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that we would forgive and give grace. In the middle of that, we won't try to fix them, but we would love them unconditionally and accept them right where they are. I actually feel like I need to pray for this group too. Maybe who just come from a broken relationship. Maybe you've just been divorced or maybe you're going through that right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit just saying, I see you and I hear you. 
He sees your pain and your brokenness. And just as he met Hagar on that road, Father, I pray right now you would meet those who are going through a broken relationship on that road. And Father, that you would do the work of redemption. That you would heal the brokenness of the past, but you would convince them that, they, that you see their future. And there's still hope. And Sarah and Hagar, they had hope against hope. Their situation didn't look good, but God was still sovereign over their situation. So I'm praying for that person who seemed to lost, have lost hope. God, would you just give them strength and hope to keep on keeping on? To believe in a God who can pick up broken pieces and put them back together. In Jesus' holy name. If everybody could take a stand and stand with those who are standing right now. Hallelujah. God is so good. If we would just recognize his goodness and just allow him to restore and heal, I'm telling y'all, our life just makes so much more sense. So all of us, let's put our hands out before the Lord as we're receiving a gift. God, would you just take care of your children? Keep us, Lord God, from going down the path of stupidity that oftentimes we choose. And Lord, when we choose that, Father, heal, restore and redeem it and, and help our hearts, Lord God, in the middle of the shrapnel of life, just trust you and develop a deeper connection with you because you, Lord God, are whom we are made by and for. You see us. You hear us. We receive that affirmation today, that acceptance today. And we choose to draw near to you as a result of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Did you receive something from the Lord today? This whole series, we're going to talk about emotional health. And if in the middle of it, you feel like, okay, God's given you breakthrough, amen. But if there's some other things you need to do to journey through some significant challenges in your life, you go and seek that help so you can get better, so you can be better for everybody else around you. Amen.